Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of April 2nd through the 4th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Happy April, everyone. Spring is here and in the air, and it's a time of rebirth. The weather's getting warmer, the flowers are popping up, my allergies are starting to kill me, and oh, what's that I hear? We actually have substantial box office discussion with Godzilla vs. Kong doing gangbusters this last weekend. It's a good time to be a box office fan. Uh, let's hop straight into the kaiju-sized news and break it all down. Looking at the three-day domestic box office from Friday to Sunday, the number one film in the United States and Canada was Godzilla vs. Kong, the latest entry into Legendary's MonsterVerse with $32.2 million. This was in 3,064 theaters for a per-theater average of of $10,509. This, of course, was an HBO Max simultaneous release, both on the streaming service as well as in theaters. And also, of course, Godzilla vs. Kong did not open open up on the 2nd, but actually opened up last Wednesday on the 31st. Uh, with the Wednesday and Thursday numbers added in, Godzilla vs. Kong made a total of $48.5 million over the 5-day weekend. This blew out the projections I saw of maybe 20 to $30 million for the 5 days uh, out of the water. Uh, in addition, it got an A Cinema score, the highest ever for the MonsterVerse, with all the previous films I believe getting a B+. So, some numbers for comparison. Again, $32.2 million for the 3-day weekend and $48.5 for the 5-day. Uh, since the pandemic, the largest opening weekend, 3-day, was Wonder Woman's $16.7 million over the Christmas weekend. Uh, since its release some 15 weeks ago, it's made four. million. That means that Godzilla vs. Kong in one five-day weekend made more than Wonder Woman 1984 has in 15 weeks. Uh, The film post-pandemic, with the largest domestic total to date uh, in comparison, is Tenet with $57.9 million, followed closely by Crude's A New Aids at $56.3 million. So give it a week or two, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong should be surpassing those numbers domestically. Compared to other three-day Easter weekend movie openings totals, uh, this is good for ninth place, which not bad given it's in the middle of a pan- pandemic. Uh, between 2009's Hannah Montana movie at 32.3 million and 2002's Panic Room at 30 million. Uh, for the record, the highest-grossing Easter weekend film was Batman vs Superman at 166 million dollars in 2016, f- followed by Furious 7 at 147 million 2015, and then Fate of the Furious in 2017 at 98 million. Uh, Easter, you know, aside from those films, isn't generally a high-grossing uh, weekend. Now, looking within the MonsterVerse specifically, the most recent entry, Godzilla King of the Monsters, opened to $47.7 million over three days in 2019, went on to gross $110 million domestically, uh, Kong Skull Island opened to $61 million in 2017 for total box office goes of $168 million, and then the 2014 Godzilla film opened to $93 million, closing out at $200 million. So over the weekend, right, this opened on Wednesday. Going day by day, Wednesday opened to $9.6 million uh, in 2,409 theaters. Uh, Regal hadn't fully opened as well as some other smaller chains uh, for Friday. So, you know, the $9.6 million on Wednesday alone would have been good for the fourth highest opening weekend of the pandemic. Uh, One Roman's 60.7, Tom and Jerry's 14.2, and Crude 2's 9.7. 
Uh, and then Thursday, it dropped about 30% to $6.7 million. Uh, before Friday, it surged 73% up to $11.6 million, uh, including an additional 27% more theaters. And then there was about another 8% gain overall to $12.5 million on Saturday before dropping a little bit uh, on Sunday to $8.1 million, a 35% Saturday to Sunday drop. Again, all of these amazing numbers are when theaters are still capped at capacity due to the pandemic. Uh, New York still only at 25%, LA only at 50%. And then some theaters, but mostly in Canada, are closed. I think only about 75%, oh, sorry, only 25% of Canadian theaters are still open. Um, and this also opened not on a Friday, Saturday, or on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. Um, you know, on again, a weekend, a holiday weekend that's generally not meant to be, you know, a big. Um, you know, a big movie weekend. Uh, and then the film is otherwise also available for free, quote, free if you have the account already, basically available on streaming via HBO Max. So it's still able to outperform all of, you know, many of the past films, um, you know, under those conditions is, you know, amazing for this, for this film. Now, by the way, you know, Warner Media did confirm that Godzilla vs. Kong was watched more in its first four days than any other film or so since HBO Max launched back in 2020, May. Uh, that includes Wonder Woman and Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League. While they won't say exactly by how much it's the most, um, and obviously, you know, they, they don't have numbers into how many viewers watch on other streaming services. Uh, third-party researcher Samba TV estimated that Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, compared to other films, uh, was watched for at least five minutes uh, by 2.6 million households over the three-day period. I believe something like 3.6 million for the five-day, uh, which beats out Seoul's 2.4 million over three days. Wonder Woman's 2.2 million over three days, Hamilton's 1.8 million over three days, and Justice League's 1.8 million over four days. Uh, also reportedly, just to dunk on it a little bit more, the Zack, Snyder, Zack uh, Snyder's Justice League, only about 36% of people actually finished the entire four-hour film uh, over the four days. Now, obviously, we don't have exact numbers on the number of new subscribers that HBO Max is getting, uh, you know, which is really what Warner Brothers cares about in this move. But you know, HBO Max being the top of the app, the iTunes App Store, uh, both for overall app and top grossing app, uh, when Godzilla vs Kong launched back on, uh, you know, um, uh, basically starting on April first, that bodes pretty well for the number of new subscribers coming in uh, for this, you know, kaiju clobbering. Now, we'll get to the international numbers in a little bit, but, you know, what does this all mean on a bigger scale, right? It's great to see the box office is back for at least this one film, but what does it mean for films for the rest of the year? Uh, what does it mean for streaming versus theatrical? Uh, what does it mean for HBO Max and their plans? And what does it mean for the MonsterVerse in specifically? Let's tackle all of those in order. Now, I'm seeing some people saying this film could have easily made $100 million in normal, you know, opening weekend in normal non-pandemic times, and it very well could have. Um, that said, there are a couple of confounding factors, I think, that are here because of the specific, you know, pandemic situation that might not be present otherwise. First off, there's relatively little competition right now in terms of large-scale blockbusters. In fact, pretty much none, right? Uh, you know, so that might be people have been starved for pretty much a year at this point for those big films. Maybe Wonder Woman aside, Wonder Woman aside which didn't get the best reviews. So, you know, this might be a case where a well-reviewed film that people like, you know, is obviously when they haven't had it for a long time, maybe see a bit of a surge. Uh, in addition, you know, speaking of that, we don't know 
that we don't know what effect that pent up demand is having on people wanting to go back to you know the theaters to some degree. Um, again, on top of you know no not being any other films, right? Like if there were you know uh, you know a Quiet Place Two or you know um, Black Widow or whatever else was supposed to come around this time around Kong, right? The reason the first Godzilla versus Kong, uh, the, not, not the Godzilla King of the Monsters film didn't do so well is because it was actually competing against Aladdin, which ended up being a surprise success, um, you know, the week before, right? So that ate into the amount of people who would go to watch Godzilla vs. Kong if they wanted to see Aladdin instead. So, you know, not having competition and, you know, there not being films, period, for a long time might have contributed to a little bit higher number here than we might have seen otherwise. We don't know. Obviously, you know, some people just aren't going to movies anyway. So I think it's, it's hard to say exactly what it would have been. Um, but I think that, you know, you have to consider that there... Um, uh, you know, many states already have you know sixteen plus percent of the sixteen plus uh, age group now being available for vaccine, so that could be a help. Again, not saying that it wouldn't have done well. Um, I was always a believer, frankly, in these films. I really think that seeing monsters battle each other on the big screen is definitely you know a recipe for success. Um, more than some people give to give it credit for after you know Godzilla's King of the Monsters. Um, again, it's just hard to say what would have been. Now, what I do know though is that there's definitely a renewed sense of hope uh, within the exhibition market and studios that there's demand for people to want to go back to theaters. Eric Wold of B. Riley Securities actually upgraded AMC theaters from a rating of neutral to buy based on the strength of the film's opening weekend numbers, meaning that, yeah, Wall Street, st distributors, studios, exhibitors, they are confident people are going to be coming back at least you know for a while with the surge. Um, people want to get back to the theaters. Now, in that statement, World speculated that Warner Brothers might have made the wrong decision with regard to the 2021 film slate moving to day and date release on HBO Max as well as in theaters, and that you know that you know the numbers we're seeing here may lead to a course correction from them. Obviously, I'd like to say I could see the future and what they're gonna do, but I can't. Um, you know, as a fan of theatrical experience, I'd love to be able to say I told you so to Warner Brothers. Um, but again, other confounding factors here, right? As noted, it looks like HBO Max still did pretty well, you know, this, uh, because of Godzilla versus Kong, based on the number of presumed subscribers, you know, anecdotally online, you see people saying that they wouldn't have gone to theaters anyway, but they saw it, you know, uh, on HBO Max, um, or you know, more, uh, you know, more tellingly, uh, people saw it first on HBO Max, and then they liked it so much that they decided, you know what, it's worth it to go see a movie uh, in theaters uh, for chains, and they went to see it because they had previewed it on HBO Max, basically. Um, you know, or on the flip side, there are people who maybe saw it in theaters and then went back home, wanted to watch it again, and so then they got HBO Max to watch it again. Uh, you know, I think with HBO Max's agreement with Regal to in 2022 start having a 45-day theatrical window, um, that's going to be the norm post-pandemic. I don't know if day and date release will continue on, but I'll give it credit. There do seem to be some upsides in terms of driving more people to spending more on this movie. Um, you know, in a form of coexistence, if you will. Um, again, I just don't know if that's actually going to continue. If the potential upside of the box office is much more than what you know the streaming platform can can provide. As far as the rest of the year, you know, what's going to happen for the rest of the box office, you know, I think based off of this uh, success, you'll see fewer delays in large blockbusters, at least long-term delays, maybe like a week here, a week there, um, as they try to you know, settle in to, those, to the dates. But I don't think there's going to be a ton of major uh, delays at this point unless something crazy happens with a new variant, knock on wood, um, you know, uh, 
the people are going to go. I think the, the schedule is more or less set at this point. Now, whether the halo effect of people just happy to go back to a theater after a year away from it sticks around, we'll see. Um, I don't think we'll see films going digital only, um, you know, anytime soon, aside from Luca, um, because of what Godzilla vs. Kong has kind of proven. There's just too much money to be made in exhibition that streaming only can't provide. Um, and, you know, again, Again, another caveat, I think we can only really say this about big blockbuster films with big budgets. Godzilla vs. Kong reportedly cost $150 million, $55 million to make. So maybe smaller films still might go to direct streaming, but these bigger films, I think, will definitely... They're, they're definitely going to continue to go to the box office. Um, now, as far as what's currently on the schedule in terms of streaming and theatrical simultaneous release... Um, for Disney, right, they recently made that announcement. I don't think it changes the equation, you know. Um, I did mention there was a bit of a coexistence potential between theatrical and streaming, and I think Disney just wants to test that out, right? Like, you know, you had you had the perspective here that, yeah, box office did so much, did, did really well here. They, they're giving up money because they have HBO Max. On the flip side, the f- idea might be that, like, oh, we're still making this much money despite having HBO Max, right? Um, and if their goal is, you know, depending on the priority of the streaming platforms, then maybe that might be a case where, you know, I think my hypothesis last week was that Disney wants to test out with Black Widow what that looks like. Um, I'd like to think that they go back and change Luca to be, you know, in theaters now, um, even simultaneous release, you know, with Premiere Access, but um, I think that, I, 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 my guess is that Disney's priority, um, and plus the fact that they've said it's kind of like a value add to Disney Plus subscribers, it's not going to be a good look if they move it back. Um, unfortunately, I think that's the case for Luca. At the very least, though, you know, unless the Premiere Access completely bamboozles us, or there's a new variant. I expect Jungle Cruise on July 30th and Sanctuary Labor Day weekend, September 3rd, to be theatrical only. Now, for Warner Brothers, they said they're still set with the rest of 2021 coming to HBO Max the same day as theatrical. However, reporting from Deadline suggests that it may not be the case, as apparently for Dune, the other legendary film Warner's distributing, um, you know, it's coming in October, and despite being used for marketing for this service, um, it's, it's not completely set that it will be coming uh, to the service uh, on day and date. So, you know, with legendary success here, that may be negotiating leverage that they have in order to keep this film in, uh, in theaters. But, you know, we'll see. Even if it's uncertain if blockbusters will be doing day and date in the future again, I think 45 days theatrical window is now going to be the new norm moving forward at the very least. And then finally, talking about the MonsterVerse, you know, nothing concrete here, unfortunately, but I think this film is doing so well that it probably gave a start for the franchise um, that many consider to be at its end with this film after lackluster reviews and returns at the last entry, King of the Monsters. Uh, Twitter got continued the MonsterVerse trending, which, you know, Legendary acknowledged in the tweet. So I think the real big block here will be whether or not Toho, um, the owner of the Godzilla IP, uh, and, you know, also Mothra, Ghidorah, Rodan, uh, decides to renew the license and renew the deal to continue on with Legendary or not in the future. I'd love to see a version of Destroy All Monsters, um, but we'll see. Or even Jet Jaguar, right? You know, I, another potential I saw throwing around is that, you know, what if Warner Brothers developed a monster ver- a Monarch TV series for HBO Max? That'd be a pretty cool idea. So we'll see uh, what, what, what that pans out to be. Anyway, it's been 15 minutes uh, talking about Godzilla vs. Kong's domestic numbers, and I have yet to get to the dom- rest of the domestic top five and international numbers, so let's hurry along. Uh, in second place, we have The Unholy, uh, again over the three-day weekend, uh, a horror film produced by Sam Raimi, o- uh, opening in 1850 theaters for $3.1 million for a per-theater average of 1705. No international release date, so that's all the money it's made so far. 
Uh, in third place, last week's number one film, Nobody, from Universal. Um, the R-rated film starring Bob Odenkirk made just shy of $3 million, uh, a 56% drop in its second weekend. The 2,567 theaters for per theater average of $1,169. Total gross domestically is $11.8 million, with an additional $9.2 million internationally bringing the total to $221 million. Uh, in fourth place, Disney's Ryan the Last Dragon dropped 46% to $2 million in 2031 theaters, a 1,004 per theater average in week five. Uh, domestic total sits at $32.1 million, adding $62 million internationally, and we are now at $94.1 million worldwide. Uh, rounding out the top five, Tom and Jerry from Warner Brothers, uh, which recently just left HBO Max um, in week six, uh, is now at $1.4 million this weekend, a 44% drop in 2,273 theaters, per theater average of $623, uh, with uh, you know, another um, international of uh, $53.8 million added to the domestic total of $39.5 million. The worldwide total is now $93.1 million. Now, buoyed by Godzilla vs. Kong's amazing monstrous numbers, uh, the box office this weekend was $44.6 million, definitely the biggest uh, box office weekend since the pandemic started. Uh, this coming weekend, the only major release should be the Lord of the Flies science fiction film Voyagers from Lionsgate. Um, otherwise, Godzilla vs. Kong is just going to run Rampage again. Uh, it has a clear runway for the next three weeks until the next big film release of Mortal Kombat, uh, also shared by HBO Max. Uh, on April 23rd. Now, moving internationally, Godzilla vs. Kong made $76.1 million this weekend for a total of $237 million. With the $48.5 million uh, domestically, that means that Godzilla, the Kaiju film has now grossed $285 million worldwide. That's good for the third highest film of 2021 so far, uh, though China's Lunar New Year monsters of are over $400 million away, you know, Hi Mom and Detective Chinatown 3, so they're not likely to be crossed by Kong, I think. Uh, in comparison to last year, uh, $285 million worldwide would have been good for the fourth highest grossing Hollywood film of the year. Uh, Bad Boys for Life made $426 million, Tenet made $363 million, Sonic the Hedgehog made $319 million. So the fact that it's actually able to surpass a Sonic, uh, a pre-pandemic film uh, in its second weekend, or you know, its third weekend I guess, um, is a really good sign moving forward. Now, looking at China specifically, uh, surprisingly, Godzilla vs. Kong was not the number one film this weekend. That honor goes to local family drama Sister, which made $53 million uh, US dollars in its opening weekend. Godzilla vs. Kong did come in in second, uh, dropping only 38%, making $43.6 million US dollars in its second weekend. When you add that to last weekend's numbers, as well as the weekly numbers, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong sits at $135 million US dollars in China, the first Hollywood film to cross $100 million in China since 2019's Frozen 2. Uh, this already surpassed 2014 and 2019's Godzilla films uh, from uh, in their totals in China, and with Mao Yan estimating it to make $193 million by the end of this run on Upgrade, uh, it's likely going to be the highest-grossing MonsterVerse film ahead of Kong Skull Island in China. Now moving to third place, you know, the rest of the top five in China are all new films. Uh, third place is Journey to the West, The Reincarnation Demon, making $7.3 million. In fourth place, the suspense film, uh, The 11th Chapter, opening to $5.2 million. And then in fifth place, romantic comedy Tomorrow Will Be Fine, making $3.5 million. US dollars. 
In other international news, uh, Demon Slayer is just in, hit its 25th weekend in the Japanese box office, nearly half a year at this point, and still hanging in strong, uh, rising actually back up to second place at the box office, second only to the newest Evangelion film in its fourth weekend. Speaking of, uh, Evangelion director Hideaki Anno, who also made Sin Godzilla and is set to make the delayed Sin Ultraman, is now signed on to do a Sin Kamen Rider. So what other Sin franchises will this guy make? Um, now, moving over to France, um, they, along with the rest of Europe, are still dealing with COVID struggles and new variants. And France has started a lockdown this past weekend on the 3rd that will continue until May 2nd for a month. Now, there are less restrictions than one year ago, but still a lockdown, meaning theaters can't be opened. Uh, Cannes is currently hoping to have a July 6th through 17th physical event, so we'll see if that pans out with these in place. Uh, theaters in France have been closed since last October. And then finally, while Mortal Kombat is not set to open in the States until April 23rd, the first international markets for Mortal Kombat will open this coming weekend, um, You know, two weekends ahead of, of the release as, as has been the norm. Now, finally, some other movie news to wrap up the episode. Uh, the biggest non-Kong news is that Netflix reportedly spent $450 million to secure the rights to two sequels to Knives Out, the surprise hit from 2019 uh, starring Daniel Craig and directed by director Rian Johnson, telling the story of Detective Benoit Blanc. Uh, both of them are going are set to come back, which is great news. Uh, you know, Now, $450 million for two films seems a lot, especially considering that, yes, the first First film made 311 million worldwide at the box office, but both of them were only made for 40 million dollars. Now, that 40 million dollars does not include any profit sharing fees, and you know the 311 million dollars is you know um, is is split you know monetarily with the with the exhibitors. But you know, if you think that you know, okay, if Netflix is going to buy out, you know, the supposed back end that these films could have made at how profitable they were, you know, again, three hundred eleven million over forty million, um, you know, budget. You know, if you buy out the back end percentages that they would give to to Craig and to Johnson, um, you know, for two films, you know, that starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, and then, you know, the there's also franchise potential as Netflix um, can maybe expand this to maybe more films, right? Or, you know, at the very least, he had a good working relationship with Rian Johnson. He actually owns the IP rights to the film, um, you know, through his production company, which is how Netflix was able to acquire it, um, as opposed to Lionsgate, who helped produce and or distribute the first film. Now, of course, I saw some people wondering if the success of Knives Out in theaters might, you know, tempt Netflix to continue move the films to theaters uh, and break into that market there. But I think based on the price that they have already paid with all the back end stuff, I don't think they're going to be wanting to see a revenue with theaters. Now, moving over to the DC side of things, according to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, they're going to be setting all the future DC films uh, in a shared universe with the exception, I believe, of the Batman film with Robert Pattinson. Um, I think this is the third film, the third film universe for the DC franchise after the Batman Nolan films, um, but, you know, Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so far, the next films in the franchise are Aquaman 2, The Flash, which deal with some of the multiverse shenanigans, um, Black Adam, Shazam 2, Blue Beetle, Batgirl, Supergirl, Green Lantern Corps, Static Sock, Zatanna, and Wonder Woman 3. Uh, notably, Ava DuVernay's film The New Gods got the can, as did James Wan's Aquaman spit. Uh, Aquaman spinoff The Trench, though James Wan is still set to help direct Aquaman 2. 
And of course, you know, added to that universe is also the Suicide Squad, you know, plus the HBO Max series Peacemaker with John Cena. Uh, reportedly, according to James Gunn, uh, the Red Band trailer for that film beat out Mortal Kombat's numbers with 151 million views, uh, you know, within its first week, setting a new record for uh, Red Band film views on social media. Uh, no news if, you know, the quote-unquote Zack Snyder's success of the Justice League means that the David Ayo cut of Suicide Squad uh, will get a release. And speaking of trailers, you know, we did get the new Space Jam, a new Legacy trailer with LeBron James. Not sure how I feel about it. It feels like a big Warner Brothers commercial mixed with Ready Player One. Um, and not really sure how I feel about like the redesign of, of the of the uh, tunes. But hey, fun fact, uh, the even though SpaceJam.com is now marketing the new film, uh, if you go to SpaceJam.com slash nineteen ninety six, you still get the original Space Jam website. Um, now, you know, I have seen some speculation, perhaps, that maybe Space Jam or another film might move to the now theatrically empty June 18th date, since Luca is no longer coming to theaters. Um, sir, it's one he- week ahead of F9 would cut off its legs, but, you know, uh, otherwise Space Jam, if it were to move, would, uh, would not to move, would be competing against the second weekend of, uh, one of Black Widow, which, you know, would, might be a tough competition. Um, it might be too late to move since, you know, marketing has already started for Space Jam at this point, but I have heard rumors that Ghostbusters Afterlife might move out of September so they don't have to come, or was it September, October, late in the fall, you move to take advantage of that early June 18th date since, you know, the only other films releasing ahead that are not HBO Max, they, like... I think actually, if you move to June eighteenth, you would be the first film um, that would, would potentially be theatrically only. Um, with you know, uh, I think F nine on June twenty fifth being the the first film currently. So we'll see where that goes. Um, now, speculation aside, we do have some concrete new movie dates. Uh, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City is leaving Labor Day weekend for a November twenty fourth release date. Um, I guess they'd rather compete against Encanto from Disney than uh, Sang Chi from the MCU uh, on Labor Day weekend. Um, and then next year, Sony moved Uncharted, starring Tom Holland, back a week from February eleventh to February eighteenth, uh, possibly to get off of Super Bowl weekend and make use of some last game, last minute big game advertising. And, you know, to wrap this so while I could maybe talk about the consternation people has about San Diego Comic-Con having its first in-person event back being on Thanksgiving weekend of all weekends, um, you know, to end on some good news, Dr. Fauci has said that, you know, we're hopefully going to be able to, and probably going to be able to see a movie theater in theaters without a mask sometime in late fall or early winter. That means that, you know, Spider-Man No Way From Home is probably going to be the one from, to benefit from this the most and be like the true blockbuster back without masks. Masks, though who knows, Eternals or maybe Mission Impossible 7 or Encanto might benefit as well. Uh, for someone getting his first vaccine this coming Friday, it's looking for. I'm looking forward to Godzilla vs. Kong on IMAX being the first film I see back, or maybe the Demon Slayer movie when it comes to the States April 23rd, but I just can't wait to be back in theaters. Uh, I'll even get popcorn. Um, anyway, with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Suit my ideas for what else I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe or leave a review or at the very least tell a friend that any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which help lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all of that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com or in and out of music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at acompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. Remember, our watch goes on. <laughs>